welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Daniel Secretan on the show. Daniel is the co-founder and COO of Sapien, a platform that automates online research using AI so you can make sound, fact-based judgments. Dan, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself and Sapien? Good morning, Charles. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Uh, a bit of background to us and myself. Background's actually been in financial crime for the last 15 years, anti-money laundering, anti-fraud solutions from a technology point of view. And one of the things that I noticed there is that KYC felt like a bit of a tick box exercise. So KYC is know your customer, know your client, and it's uh, the regulatory obligations that lots of all financial services institutions and lots of other companies as well, like accountancies and lawyers have to go through. But it always felt like a, mis a misnomer, a tick box exercise where you're just like, I just need to do these things, but I don't really want to know my client. It, you don't really know them at the end of this process. And actually there is, a, 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 there is data out there which allows you to truly know your client. And we thought that this is going to be great for doing really good business, which is really where Zapian came about from. Growth of online data has meant that you can truly know who you're doing business with. Previously, it was an unmanageable burden because the tools that were out there are really just search engines. And whether you're doing, uh, whether you're doing uh, PEPs and sanctions screening or whether you're doing corporate records or whether you're doing even Google searches, they are just searches and they return thousands of results, hundreds of thousands of results in fractions of a second for you to then go and read. And really the genesis of Zapien is that we wanted to go the step beyond that. We wanted to become the research engine and we're going to go and read all those for you and work out which ones are actually right and relevant and which ones are actually just nothing to do with it. And then we're going to summarize all that data for you. So going beyond search is really what we're all about. Great. And I guess connecting back to KYC, once you've done those searches, you're able to provide a complete profile of the customer that's going through that process is that correct that's exactly it so you can just understand much more about your, about your customer and if you know much more about them up front then you you can actually service them better it's not just a matter of knowing yes i've seen their id their passport i can actually understand where they're based what businesses they run in what is it about this person or this organization as well zapian runs on both uh, that will allow me to service them better to onboard them quicker uh, to give them a better a level of service very similar to what you're doing with legislators as well, in many ways, uh, using technology to improve that onboarding and uh, experiences. That's great. And you mentioned uh, before we started recording that there's a story behind the name of the company. So yeah. are you able to yeah, share that? That's right. But the, uh, one of the uh, things that I wish I could have before was how hard it was to name companies. Originally, we launched as a, we, we, we called ourselves Digital Insight because we we provide insight in a digital world, but we didn't, we couldn't really own that. It wasn't protectable in any way. It's just two words in the English language. So we wanted something that we could own. And uh, we liked this, the idea of, of sapient and this uh, knowledge and wisdom and homo sapien. It just means wise man, literally. And so we took this sapient idea and we said, well, we provide the equivalent of thousands of analysts at your fingertips. So we changed the S for an X to give it that tech factor and also to give it the multiplication factor, having thousands of people plugged into you. And uh, so, yeah, so Zapium was born. Uh, so that was great. And it's just, it's a protectable word as well. As you can imagine, in the legal space, you need something which you can put behind your IP. Uh, and then also we could get the .com, which was also pretty important as well. That's a great story. And uh, I wish a story of legislate's name was as uh, thought, thought through and 
thing. And since uh, since starting Zapian, what's been your favorite moment so far? Uh, there's so many of them. I've, I'm going to pick. Let me pick. Can I pick a couple? One of the really simple ones was actually when uh, when we could Google something other than Zapian, and Zapian would come back. And the thing that we we targeted was donations due diligence. We're really working in donations due diligence space. So who are you taking money from? And and what does that mean? Who is this German millionaire that wants to give money to Harvard and into their background? And does that align with the universities or the charities' reputation and things like that? And so one of the things you can now do is Google donor due diligence. And on page one, thanks to all the great work that Tess and the marketing team have done, we appear on that. And that was something I never managed to achieve 10 years of working in a multinational organization. It was bought by BA Systems, my previous career, NetReveal. I couldn't find a term that you could Google that brought up NetReveal, no matter how hard I tried. So that was a, a real highlight. And then another one, I've just got to pick another one, was like just a technical one was for me, I'm a techie at heart. I've been developing systems forever. There was a point at which I looked over at one of the developers' shoulders and he was showing me risk summaries and it was something which he had just developed and it looked terrible. It was just on his code screen at the time. It was not a lot, it wasn't a look pretty, but I just knew the work that we'd done to get there. The system had to do to produce this sort of one line of text or it was a timeline of risk items. And it had to do all the orchestration of all the searching. It had to retrieve all the content. It had to parse that fat text from thousands of websites. And it had to discard all of the stuff about the wrong person, the wrong company. And then it had to understand what was going on in each article. And then it had to apply risk th- topics to it. What's the topics and themes going on here? And then finally, it could summarize these in a sort of date order of what had happened in this particular court case. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's, it's amazing what I had to go into generating this very short piece of text, but that was a good highlight for me. That's great. And I guess uh, users always take for granted arts and the, the information that's presented. And, um, but that's also our job to make it easy to understand, read. And what do you wish you had known before starting Sapien? One of the things I wish I'd have known is how many uh, cold calls you get from recruitment firms. As soon as I've published a phone number for the company, I felt like we ought to have a phone number, uh, just phone calls to uh, recruitment agents. I still don't know quite how to deal with that, uh, but that was uh, was one of my uh, learnings. And the uh, yeah, there are many things that we've learned, obviously, as we all do as founders. At, uh, in some ways, I wonder, though, if I'd have known it before, if somebody had told me this before, many of the lessons you have to learn yourself. First time founder and entrepreneur, you just almost need to make those mistakes yourself, whether that be to do with tax employment law contracts, things like that, which I umdenard and agonized over to start with and actually haven't really thought about it again four years later or other things. You seem to need to learn those things yourself. That's great. And maybe for the recruiters, you should uh, see their teams with your tool and share the reports. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, put them off. <laughs> great. And, um, and what's the, the vision for your business and plan for the next five years? Yes, the vision for the business is a really big one. We see uh, what we want to do is we want to democratize access to high quality background research and due diligence. At the moment, it's only organization who can have who've got the money or the, and the time to be able to do this. And so there are organizations which do an absolutely fantastic job using human analysts, but that just comes with time and, and cost. And we think that every organization has to know who they're doing business with whether that be uh, supply chain due diligence, whether that be employee onboarding, whether that be giving money to people or taking money from people. You always want to know who you're doing business with. Uh, And in a digital world, sometimes you don't even get to meet people. 
uh, to build the relationships like we used to. And so doing this due diligence is important, but we want to just democratize access to it so that it's quick, it's simple, it's clean, and it's cost-effective for anybody to run it. So we're on this journey of making Zapian a verb. So we're just like, well, we'd use Zapian them. And that was uh, what, uh, what we want to, uh, to provide. Best of luck achieving that. And as a co-founder of a startup and a growing business, I imagine you interact with quite a few contracts. What are the, the key ones and um, what can you share about? Yeah, sure. So they vary tremendously. So some contracts are many tens of pages and they can be for quite simple things. And then sometimes you end up with a contract, which is actually quite short. And it's for something quite important or strategically important for us, which I think is quite ironic sometimes. It's just, they seem to be the inverse to the importance of them. It's not always the case, but yeah, we use, uh, we buy quite a lot of, uh, we've got procurement type contracts. One that I deal with the most is our contract is our order form talking to our customers about that and which bits they're happy with and which bits they're not and dealing with the legal team on the other side. In terms of sort of HR and NDAs and things like that, I've actually found that to be relatively simple. As I say, we developed these templates right up front when we founded the company and they've, they've managed to survive. I guess we must have done something right at that point in time. Great. And uh, it seems like internal contracts are pretty smooth and uh, client facing. You've got the, the usual back and forth with legal teams, uh, maybe the common areas where you get pushback or uh, clients are, are requesting certain things, etc. How do you kind of debate all those? We're quite an international business. APM works in 132 languages. And so it's relevant to all of the different organizations all around the world and so one of the challenges I do get back is people look at our order form our form and they say I'd quite like this to be done under the jurisdiction of the blah 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 and we're like mm, don't really know what that means and I haven't really I don't really want to go and look into what that means that all sounds a bit tricky so I would say ethical issues are probably one of the ones which you know, worry me the most or maybe just cause me to think like how much money do I need to invest in working out if this is a problem for me or can I accept it that's quite a difficult question for me to ask because our contracts are sometimes quite cheap. They're literally just a, a few thousand pounds. Mm. So if it's a few thousand pound contract, can you really justify going to change uh, these terms? And so one of the bits that I find difficult is how hard to say, no, it's a SaaS service. All you're doing is logging onto our website. It's really straightforward. Just accept these terms versus how much do we have to get in with their legal procurement teams? It's a great insight. And I guess for any, any founders in this problem for the first time, what tips could you share with them? Uh, I think it's a, a one of try and take in proportionality. First time founder, oh, sorry, as a, as a founder of a small organization, your biggest risks are existential risks of not being able to sell or deliver your service, not of being hauled over the coals in some random jurisdiction or doing something like that. And so it's you know, running out of cash and it's things like that. It's, it's very plain black and white things. So I think my advice would be uh, you are taking a big risk on starting the company in the first place. And therefore, I think you, you should allow yourself the ability to take calculated risks on your contracts where you think this is just not likely to be an issue. It's a real issue for my client. They've got a big legal team behind it. This caught them out once and that's why it's in there. It's just not going to really be an issue for us. So that would be that's my counsel anyway. Uh, to, it's not legal yeah, advice. Uh, yeah, legal advice but, but great piece of advice. Uh, and I think you're right. Uh, it, if there isn't an ex existential impact on your business, then it needs to be considered with a risk framework. 
Uh, whereas, uh, obviously, if it does have an impact on your business, then, then seek legal advice, maybe. Much better said, Charles. Thank you. Great. And uh, Dan, I'm conscious I've already taken a lot of your time. So I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? So what impresses me most in contracts that I've seen are the ones which are written cleanly and plainly and simply, and they articulate the understanding that we have between two people and what we've been discussing. And it's not all buried in legalese where sentences are the length of a paragraph with commas and all the legal jargon in them, which are just difficult to decipher. If they are written a short contract which says exactly the bullet points and what we're trying to get into rather than trying to protect against every eventuality i think that's what it is like what are we going to do if we actually ever bring this contract out and have to fight it out in a court of law like things have gone really badly with this but what we're trying to do with the contract is just come to a common understanding just write down what we both think we've heard and what we both think we've agreed to the best of our ability and sign that. And then things like e-signatures, like amazing on an e-signature portal and making it easy to do business with, I guess, maybe I summarize everything as trying not to dress up and uh, make those contracts too complicated that require lawyers then to go and uh, decipher them for you. That's a great answer. So simple and clear language, the terms and uh, signing, especially if you want to board clients across the world. Precisely, exactly that. Perfect. Thank you, Dan, for uh, the time to be on the show and uh, best of luck uh, apioning people around the world. Thanks. Thanks, Charles. Great to meet you and uh, have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.